This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hello and welcome to Ask the Squiz, our weekend stroll through the burning questions that squizzes have about the 2022 election. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Well, Claire, this is a bit of fun. It's not often that we talk to each other on the weekend, even though we've been podcasting for almost four years now. Yeah, there's a bit of a reason for that. We've always seen ourselves as your mate when it comes to knowing new stuff and it's a privilege to be in your ears as regularly as we are. So we didn't really want to be that needy friend who's just at you all the time for your attention. (laughs) Uh, And the weekends are a bit of a sacred space. They certainly are for me. Uh, But we've had plenty of feedback from listeners saying that a weekend podcast might be nice. You know, what better time to start than the election when we can answer a few of your questions and have a look back on the week that was. And who knows, Claire, if it goes well, maybe we can keep it up beyond the election. No pressure, squizzes, but that's really going to be up to you. Yeah, no pressure at all. (laughs) All right. Well, let's just set up what this podcast, Ask the Squiz, will cover. Now, throughout the week, squizzes have sent us their questions about the election and there have been some real doozies in there. We're going to get through five of them each episode and then get into something that caught our eye about the campaign through the week. So without further ado, let's give Ask the Squiz a whirl. Now, first up, we have a question from Emily from Warringah. That means she lives on Sydney's lower North Shore or the Northern Beaches. Warringah was a safe Liberal seat until last election when Tony Abbott was beaten by independent Zali Stegall. Emily says it seems that either the Liberals or Stegall will win this time around. So what is the value in voting Labor or the Greens? It's a question that's not just about Warringah. Uh, It's about pretty much every seat where there are clear favourites. And the answer is that no election is a foregone conclusion. Uh, There are a handful of electorates where the margins are so big that the local MP is almost impossible to knock over. So if you want to vote for a candidate who's not tipped to win uh, in a seat where there are favourites go for it because there will be other people like you and if there's enough, your preferred candidate might actually win. We know that there are a lot of two-horse races around the country. I imagine that this is where preferences also come in. Yeah, exactly. And remember, most candidates will have how-to-vote cards with their suggestions about how to number your preferences. But ultimately, it's up to you to do what you want to do with your vote when you've got that pencil in your hand. This preferential voting caper keeps coming up. Of course, Claire, we know you'll be numbering every box below the line in the Senate because that's uh, your idea of fun. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to do that. (laughs) On to the second question now. Speaking about independence, we have a question from Helen in Victoria. She says that some of the independent candidates seem to be getting a bit of traction, but she asks, how much effect can the primary vote for these candidates have on the two major parties and what would it take for them to actually win? I'll tell you what ABC expert Anthony Green said about it this week. His rule of thumb is that independent candidates need at least 
30% of the primary vote and then they need 75 to 80% of the preferences from other candidates in order to win. So if they're taking that kind of support in primary votes, it makes it very difficult for the other candidates, even those from the major parties, uh, to get enough support to cross the line. But it is a lot for an independent candidate to get. And that's why we've only seen eight independents in the House of Reps in the last 20 years. And just to note here, that's why high-profile candidates are a step ahead. Name recognition is hugely important and it costs a lot for an unknown community member to get in front of and be understood by an electorate of more than 100,000 people. But there are some good races to keep an eye on in this election. Now, there are lots of questions, of course, about who might win the election. The answer is, of course, we have absolutely no idea. If only we did, Claire, I'm sure we could make a lot of money out of that. (laughs) But uh, Squizzit Nick has asked about the polls and if they can be trusted. He references US President Donald Trump's win in 2016 and Scott Morrison's win last election, both of which had the polls going the other way. Oh, yeah, there's some polls that have really got things wrong in some very high-profile elections. Brexit was one. Uh, That Trump election was a big one. And, of course, Morrison's victory in 2019. Uh, Over the last seven years or so, there are some really big examples. Uh, What the experts here say what happened in 2019 was that the major polls got it wrong because their samples weren't weighted and adjusted correctly. Basically, that just means that they had too many Labor voters in the pool. Uh, It sparked a reckoning and what they say is that those issues are now fixed. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, One thing to note is the South Australian election from a few weeks ago, the polls pretty much got it right, but time will tell. It most certainly will. It's another reason why this election is exciting or any election is exciting. We're just not going to know the answer to the question of who's going to win until after the votes are counted on probably the 22nd of May. All right, on to the next question. Now, there are some tricks to winning an election, but Gemma has a question about something structural. She asks, what's the difference between redistribution and gerrymandering? She says gerrymanders in the US are a thing, so how is that different to a redistribution? Now, Claire, you might need to give us some definitions here. (laughs) So gerrymandering is the manipulation of the electoral boundaries to favour one party. It's a regular issue in the United States, and that's mainly because the state governments there can draw and redraw the lines of an electorate. Uh, Here in Australia, the redistribution process, it's done by the Australian Electoral Commission and also the state electoral commissions. So it's very independent from the politicians. Let's just go back to gerrymandering for a second, though. How exactly do these sneaky politicians do that? If we had a map, Larissa, it would make things a little bit easier. (laughs) Troubles of a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But just think about a country like Australia. Uh, You can actually move the borders of the electorates around and you could make it so that a party could win nearly every seat if you wanted to do that. In fact, there's some really cool online games where political nerds (laughs) can really nerd out and do just that. Um, You just need to move the borders so that they include enough supportive communities and they need to outweigh the detractors. So in a gerrymander, it's the government that does that. It's not a game. It's actually in real life. Redrawing electoral boundaries as a game. Uh, Gee, some people know how to have a good time. (laughs) Sounds like fun to me. (laughs) 
All right, we're on to our final question. It's come through from Janice. It's the sort of random question we love here at The Squiz. She wants to know, is there a system for naming seats? Now, we talked about the new seat in Victoria named Hawke in Squiz the Election this week, and Janice wants to know how those decisions are made. There are some rules about this, and they're governed by the Australian Electoral Commission. Uh, In the main, divisions should be named after deceased Australians who have rendered outstanding service to their country. Uh, And there's an emphasis on former Prime Ministers. So Hawke, of course, is Bob Mm -hmm. Hawke. Uh, He died a couple of years ago, so he ticks both those boxes. Uh, Every effort, the Electoral Commission says, should be made to retain the names of the original Federation electorates. Uh, Locality or place names should be avoided. Uh, Also, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander names should be used where appropriate. Uh, And they make efforts too so that Commonwealth electorates don't have the same name as existing state government electorates. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that go into it. Claire, how many electorates were there at Federation? There were 65 back in 1901 and just 34 of those still exist. So, yeah, Australia's changed a fair bit in the last, you know, mm-hmm. what, 120, so, yeah. 121 years, something like that. <laughs> sure has. All right, good one. That is our first five questions for Ask the Squiz done. We have a lot more to get through and plenty of time for you to send in your questions about the election, the campaigns, whatever is on your mind. So send them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. Now, Claire, before we go, is there anything that caught your eye in the campaign this week that you want to mention? Yeah, John Howard popping up in Perth. He was over there campaigning mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of new Liberal candidates who are very hopeful to win their seats. Uh, we can expect to see a few of those appearances, not just by John Howard, but other former Prime Ministers and senior politicians. Uh, the current mob really want some credibility uh, and leaning on the achievements of past leaders is the way sometimes it's done. They always do seem to wheel out John Howard at election times. We'll stand by for any sightings of Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard, Paul Keating, Tony Abbott, Malcolm Turnbull. Couple there for your election watching bingo card. Now for me, I always enjoy, or I should probably put enjoy in quotation marks, seeing how political advertising starts to play out in a campaign. We had videos from both leaders at the start of the campaign. They released those and I'll pop them into your episode notes if you want to compare the pair. But the other thing, of course, is social media advertising. Now there are ads that are planned and then there's moments in the campaign that get turned into ads. If you ever want to know what the parties and candidates are pushing out on social, you can actually go and look in the Facebook ads library and see every single ad and how much money they're spending. It's part of Facebook's push for transparency. So anyway, if you want to have a bit of a snoop, I'll put the link in your episode notes. Yeah, see, I like looking at electoral boundaries and you like, you enjoy <laughs> looking into political advertising. I think we're both as tragic as each other. Oh, tragic is probably the right word for us about now, Claire, in an election campaign. <laughs> So that's one week down, five weeks of the campaign left to go. I think that wraps it up for our first episode of Ask the Squiz. So thank you for joining us. Claire, it's been lovely to talk to you on a weekend and at a decent hour. (laughs) It has. What are you doing this weekend? 
Not too much. I think uh, catching up on some sleep might go for a nice walk or two. How about you? Yeah, sleep and walk is always on. I'm going to cook some stuff and I'm going to do some work. It's going to be a big few weeks. I'm going to try and get a bit ahead. Oh, you're very, very sensible. It is going to be a big (laughs) couple of weeks. We've got so much content coming out. There'll be more episodes of Squiz the Election out this week, so stand by for that. Otherwise, keep the questions coming. Have a good Easter and we will talk to you next week. We talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online, kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more and get a great discount, visit NordVPN.com forward slash squiz today.